Welcome to the Lexington Public Library's Tales from the Kentucky Room podcast, where we discuss everything Lexington and Fayette County history. I'm Miriam, and in each episode of this podcast, we will feature a guest that will share a piece of local history. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Good day, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Today we have Terry Foodie. Terry is a certified clinical research coordinator and holds a master's degree in nursing, in addition to being a registered nurse. She currently owns a speaking and consulting business, incorporating information with inspiration for healthy living. Ms. Foodie is the author of numerous articles on health issues and two books. Her first book, The Pie Seller, The Drunk, and The Lady, Heroes of the 1833 Cholera Epidemic in Lexington, Kentucky, and her most recent book, which we'll be discussing today is the Cherokee and the Newsman, Kinsmen in Words. Welcome. Thanks Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Miriam. All right. To get started, can you just tell us a little bit about the main, I guess, characters of your book, Sequoia or George Gist or George George, Gist. George Gist and his kinsman, I guess his nephew. Henry Howard Gratz. Henry Howard Gratz. Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about these guys and what inspired you to write a whole book about them. Well, that's a good question and and one that I do get asked. I started with the cholera epidemic was my first job because Mm -hmm. my background's in public health nursing. Mm -hmm. And as I was studying the Grads family for the lady, the lady of the pie seller, the drunk and the lady is Maria Cecil Gist Grads. Okay. And her father's Nathaniel Gist. Mm -hmm. I found out from James Birchfield at UK's Special Collections, that Sequoia was her half-brother. Oh, wow. Okay. There's quite a bit about Sequoia in the Grants family collections. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this, mm-hmm. and I tucked it aside and thought, that would be an interesting follow-through because her son, Howard Grants, mm-hmm. published the Kentucky Gazette for almost 40 years. So yeah. I saw the literacy comparison, and I thought, well, I'll just I'll parallel them. But I tucked that away for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And three years after the cholera book came out, this one came out last year. Mm-hmm. So started research on both of them, went to Oklahoma, went to Tahlequah, interviewed different people, went to Sequoia's Birthplace Museum, which is outside Chattanooga, yeah. and then found out more about Howard, some of which was like, oh, no, Howard, not really. But <laughs> it's been good. That's good. That's good. And so where did the research take you? Sequoia is known for creating the language and the, the written Cherokee language. Can you talk to us about how he developed that and where it took him? Yes, it seems like George George Gist mm-hmm. was a person of curiosity mm-hmm. and also many talents. Mm-hmm. He was he ran a trade shop with his mother, yeah. and then he ran that for himself. Afterwards, he was able to make jewelry and things mm-hmm. that that some of the natives like to wear—the nose bobs or the earrings, yeah. that sort of thing. And he also was a blacksmith, and he fought with Jackson's groups in the War of eighteen twelve yes. mm-hmm. with the Creeks. But he saw some of the soldiers at Fort Loudon, where he was down there in Venora, Tennessee. Mm-hmm talking back and forth with missives and letters, mm-hmm. and they called these talking, talking leaves. leaves. You yeah. saw that talk that stayed yeah. and remembered itself. Mm-hmm. And he said, if we could do this, mm-hmm. we could record our histories, mm-hmm. and we could communicate with each other uh-huh. and with some of the old settlers who had already moved on outside yeah. of the Tennessee, Georgia area. Mm-hmm. So he spent like 12 years trying to figure out how to do this. And it kind of became obsessive with him. It was very obsessive. Yeah. Very obsessive. And he didn't have any support Mm -hmm. within his own people or his own family. They thought he was crazy. Mm -hmm. And then they thought he was almost criminal because they thought he became possessed by an evil spirit or something (laughs) that was making him do this. Mm -hmm. 
And I guess even then you had to keep your lawn down because they were saying he wasn't cutting the grass <laughs> around the house. <laughs> yeah, ignored his, his land. Neglected and, his family. Yeah. But he was determined to try to figure out. And the breakthrough was mm-hmm. that the Cherokees have a certain number of sounds in mm-hmm. their language. And so he made a symbol for each sound Okay. instead of trying to make a letter for each one. So kind of equivalent to our vowels. And- equivalent, what mm-hmm. I would say to the way some of us learn to read. Oh, okay. By sonics or by syllables, Mm -hmm. you know, breaking each word down into a syllable. Yeah. And that's what he did. There's three symbols for Mm -hmm. the word Cherokee. Yeah. As opposed to all those letters. Mm -hmm. So I figured that out. And he, his young daughter was able to pick it up. Mm -hmm. She was either someplace between 6 and 12 years old. She Mm -hmm. picked it up quickly. Yeah. And she was able to prove, help him prove to the elders that, it really was it's possible. Working. It's, it's possible. Working. Yeah. Yes. And it, it was, it was more than possible. It, it helped the, the tribe, the Cherokee tribe, become more effective, I guess, at their merchant trade and contributed a lot to other to other languages. Yes, and, it became like the blueprint yeah, yeah. later on for other tribes to yeah. do their language. I was going to say something about the missionaries mm-hmm. who were a presence within them at the same time. They were trying to convert them to... Mm-hmm. Christianity, teach yes. them the Bible, yes. and they tried to teach them English so they could read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, the missionaries got back with their head people up in New England and said, oh, we got to change the plan. Yeah. These Cherokees are learning this language mm-hmm. in they have four their days own language to two now. weeks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Quickly, we have to get this our Bible translated. Mm-hmm. And so they did, and you can see how the prodigal son and different parts are translated. Mm-hmm. Those are some things in this Cherokee book or the book about uh, changing the Bible, mm-hmm. the Cherokee, which is in special collections also. Uh, so the UK. D- mm-hmm. Yeah. So they did that and they published, they started publishing this newspaper. Mm-hmm. And this newspaper that was half in English and half in Cherokee talked about how the whites were trying to get their lands, trying to get them to move, yeah. trying to take them away. And the newspaper started circulating in Europe. And this is the Cherokee Phoenix? Is yes. this that newspaper? Yes, okay. it was at the Advocate. You know, it had yeah. earlier names. So it was very popular. So mm-hmm. when Sequoia and some of the Cherokees went up as a delegation to mm-hmm. Washington City, as it was called at that time, yeah. in 1828, the newspaper had already been circulating. They were very popular. Here. Yeah. And on, it was on that trip that he met his nephew. Supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah, okay. that, that's right. <laughs> and some talks I get around to that, and some talks I don't. Uh-huh. But according to the Gratz family, well, I guess we have to back up and talk about Nathaniel Giss. We do, yeah. How, how did he father? <laughs> so Nathaniel Gist is the son of Christopher Gist mm-hmm. and Sarah Howard, which is how Howard got his name. Yeah. yeah that was her main name. Christopher Gist was a guide mm-hmm. to the young George Washington, and he also was hired by some merchants, mm-hmm. and he explored the whole Miami Valley around Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So he's got local ties here, too, even okay. though these people were, like, from Maryland, that Virginia area. Mm-hmm. Nathaniel was his son, obviously, and he was his father's son. He was an explorer also yeah. and a tradesman, and he was sent to the Overhill Cherokees, which mm-hmm. is where... Sequoia's people were, his mm-hmm. mother, Wata, and Tassel, her brother, mm-hmm. who had a, a, an Indian name. Yeah. And he became pretty close to them. He mm-hmm. became very close to Tassel. He became close to Wata, and they formed a liaison. Mm-hmm. And as was explained to me by a reenactor in West Virginia, this would not have been an embarrassment to her mm-hmm. because he could offer something to her. Yeah. And with Cherokees being a matriarchal society, mm-hmm. a woman would form a liaison with a man mm-hmm. That would be beneficial to her. And when she was through with him, she just put her things outside the house, and he knew that it was time to go. It was time to go. (laughs) 
easy divorce, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they'll, <laughs> we'll move on to some other guy. Yeah. So as a result, a man's mother's brothers, his uncle, uh-huh. became more important in his life than his father. Yeah. So very much a meritocratical system. Right, which is yeah. inconceivable to yeah. us. But when you can see it, that she's close to her family and he's mm-hmm. raised by her family. Yeah. yeah. So this wasn't a big deal that that he, uh, Nathaniel, had to go on and mm-hmm. go back to his people. But there's other proof. There's a letter that Christopher wrote to someone who said, my son is coming back. Yeah. He's, he's sick right now, so he's resting. But he's returning from a visit with his people, the mm-hmm. Cherokees. Yeah. His people. Yeah. So he saw that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So in the book, there's a lot of, I guess you can say, parallels between the way that George Gist contributed to the language and what Howard Brass uh, contributed to the press. To the press. Yeah. And it, it is a stretch yeah. in some ways. They're so they're very different, mm-hmm. but in some ways I see them similar. It's an mm-hmm. old Irish expression. What's bred in the bone will come out in the flesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I really like was mm-hmm. the, and you and you hope that the parts that you don't want to come out in the flesh will just we'll decay just... away. <laughs> <laughs> Only the good stuff. But here's these two men from yeah. different worlds. But Very Daniel worlds. had a foot mm-hmm. in both worlds mm-hmm. because after Wata, you know, Sakoi was born around 1776. Mm-hmm. He goes back and he marries Judith Cecil mm-hmm. and has all these children. And Maria yeah. was the youngest one, and Mariah, and then she marries the grad guy. Mm-hmm. Benjamin Gratz from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. who stays here in Lexington, and that's yeah. who Gratz Park is named after. Yeah. It's really the Benjamin Gratz Park. Yeah. Howard was their third son. The third son, yeah. He was the third son. Yeah. He became in the hemp industry. He married a woman, Minerva Anderson. Her father, Oliver, was from Nicholasville. They mm-hmm. went out to western Missouri, and they had this big hemp thing going on there. And he got involved in those politics out there just before the Civil War mm-hmm. with the Kansas and Nebraska and that whole side. And he was mm-hmm. very much... Pro-slavery. Very much, yeah. Even mm-hmm. though his father was for the Union and his youngest brother fought for the Union, too. Mm-hmm. But as typical or as sometimes happens mm-hmm. in Kentucky families, his cousin and yeah. his yeah. Confederate. Yeah, you hear that about a lot of families yeah. in Kentucky. So the war's over and Howard's broke. Mm-hmm. And he's got four children. And he mm-hmm. comes back here and he's in his like, 30s. And mm-hmm. his, uh, maybe he's older than that, I have to think from it, 42. And he starts... Picking up the Gazette, which had mm-hmm. been a paper from the pioneer days, yeah. but for at least thirty years it, it had been laying on the press room floor, you mm-hmm. know, in the not room very floor. much done with it. Kind of, if you picture it mm-hmm. symbolically as this old moldy thing, and he picks it up and breathes life into it, mm-hmm. and his first thing, and it comes from this. There was an impetus from the Democratic Party at that mm-hmm. time to to do this, mm-hmm. to push back afterwards, and he wrote. An editorial in 1866, if Lincoln had said from the start that this was about freeing the slaves, Kentucky never would have stayed in the Union, blah, yeah. da, 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 da. But he also listed some of the states that were not allowed to sit in Congress, in Congress yeah. which, and he talked, he called it a rump Congress. Now, yeah. I had history, but I was not aware of this. Yeah. They don't remember being taught this in school in New York State. Mm-hmm. Nothing against. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, 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 and we didn't learn about the Cherokees either. We learned about the long cabins and yeah. the Iroquois and the Mohegans. Yeah. But those were the ones up in New York State. Mm-hmm. But as I was telling Miriam before we started, is on that same initial newspaper, mm-hmm. he wrote an editorial about orphanages. Mm-hmm. You know, and his mother formed that orphanage after the cholera epidemic. But she died when he was 17, so mm-hmm. he still honored her spirit. He was very much honoring her and living out her legacies. Yeah. And he wrote this article that if we were good Christians mm-hmm. and we took care of these 
orphans and ragamuffins and street urchins, they would not grow up to be criminals. Yeah. But that was something. That's interesting. It was an interesting point. Yeah. I think some of this is so relevant. Timely. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Very relevant. Sequoia was close to his mother, too. Mm-hmm. He honored her. He told the missionaries, you say everything that's in your book, the Bible. Mm-hmm. is the way it is, yeah. and what we do is not right. Mm-hmm. But my mother was a good woman, and I follow her. Yeah. And I think some of you should take your book home and read it yourselves or you know, work on your own people because not all the whites are truthful. Yeah, yeah. And his contribution to his people and to other tribes, I think, is very relevant to you know today's world as Today's well. world. Yeah. Especially we come up now to Columbus Day. Yes, and people are looking at having also honoring this as Indigenous Peoples Day. Mm-hmm. You know, Stanford, Kentucky did it yeah. last year. I'm going to be in Stanford for the event mm-hmm. this weekend, mm-hmm. next week. But you notice that other cities are taking it. Louisville is going to do it. Yeah. The League of the Cities in Kentucky is mm-hmm. having a proclamation. Yeah. There's several places. Angela Garnett has been working on this, mm-hmm. of getting recognition. Mm-hmm of the contributions. It's not a conflict with Columbus Day. It's, this is Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah. And, and, and you were saying this before when we were discussing this topic. I think it's important to not separate the two, but it's it's all a part of this history of all of our American history. It's all history. a part, exactly. Yeah, and we need to recognize that. So, yeah, that's, that's what um, Indigenous Day is about. It's not about negating Columbus Day, but it's also important to recognize that the Native Americans contributed a lot to this country as well. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so many people around here say, I've got Cherokee in me. Mm-hmm. So many Kentuckians. A and lot, yeah. From Tennessee. We yeah. hear that a lot in the Kentucky mm-hmm. room when people come to do <laughs> say, ancestry research. Yeah, everybody's It's like fun. everybody's Irish now. Foodie's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> an Irish name, but I had so much of a, I want to get my own name because it's not really foodie. That's uh-huh. not really my name. Was, <laughs> it was anglicized, uh-huh. probably over in Ireland by the British. Who knows? Uh-huh. But it's really F-U-D-I-A. It's Fuda. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the Cherokee names and to have them back, Sequoia, he's also George Gisp. Mm-hmm. And he wanted, he wasn't as much fighting against the whites as, as he always thought that they were equal. Yeah. He never thought they were better. Mm-hmm. And we can do this too. We can learn to read and write. Yeah. To the point where at that area around Georgia and Tennessee at that time, mm-hmm. the Cherokees became more literate than the whites who were living around them. Yeah. Because they learned to read Greek mm-hmm. once they could read Cherokee. And Howard was influenced by his mother also. She mm-hmm. was, even though she was from Canewood, she was from the Winchester area, mm-hmm. she lived out in the country. She was not a society person. No. Her stepfather, her stepfather became governor of Kentucky. Yes. And she was literate and read and had poetry around it. Howard went all the way to Boston to celebrate Robert Burns' birthday. Mm-hmm the poet, and met <laughs> Ralph Waldo Emerson. Yeah. But he still felt like he was too much of a, a rebel kind of guy yeah. to be in that company. Yeah. So he had these two parts to him, that, but he was also very set in his opinions. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> and Sequoia was yeah. set in his and opinions. That's what makes, yeah, yeah so they that's were what makes both him a persistent. great newsman, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but the, the, the time when the press was so important at that time because of the different things that were going on and the opinions mm-hmm. in the country. If if the press had not been printed in the two languages for the Cherokees, mm-hmm. 
the people in Europe wouldn't have known as much about it. Yeah. They wouldn't have other people say, why are you taking the land away? The governor of Georgia wouldn't have been afraid that the French are going to come over and try to be on yeah. their side and yeah. start the Trail of Tears mm-hmm. and all that. And if Howard hadn't put out his views, mm-hmm. and which evolved and grew and changed and became, like he was not real happy about the Spanish-American War, mm-hmm. he wrote things about how we should be careful about big business trying to talk to our state legislatures. Yeah. So he wrote some how, things that were against lobbying. How timely. <laughs> yeah, I know. All these topics are like yeah. right there. Yes, yes. He got into a big verbal battle mm-hmm. about race relations. Yeah. Because he had some racist opinions about the time those statues being erected around mm-hmm. the 1880s. Mm-hmm. And it's very, when I read it, I thought, oh, Howard, how this is terrible. <laughs> but it was advised to me, you better print this or somebody's going to think you're leaving it out on purpose. Yeah. But there was an African-American newspaper at that time, and that mm-hmm. editor pushed back and called Howard an unmitigated liar. Mm-hmm. And this old Methuselah, or whatever he called him, because he was an <laughs> old guy by that time, knows darn well mm-hmm. that these crimes are being committed by whites or mm-hmm. the whites are blaming the blacks for them. Mm-hmm. And this isn't happening. Yeah. Da-da-da. And that got picked up by the papers in Louisville, Cincinnati, and they mm-hmm. thought it was going to go to fisticuffs. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm not paying attention to this guy. He, he just went on. Yeah. You know, he just went on his own way. But what was interesting to me is those views got printed. Mm-hmm. And this person who's African-American, and he had some other blood in him too, yeah. he, he writes and he's, he's writing back and, and he says things like, you know darn well that we wouldn't have all these different kinds of people mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the way things had been. Yeah. Can you read a little excerpt from your book? All right, this is the inflammatory part, and then I can get to some sweet stuff. During the time of slavery, a white man could do with his slaves as with personal property. Hence, the country is infested with all the different shades of the Negro, and no one knows this better than the man who wrote this filthy article. The same suggestion women taught to protect themselves ought to be applied to Negro women to repel white men from robbing them of their virtue. This is in response to what uh, Howard wrote, how, yeah, what Howard 1895. Wrote. Mm-hmm. So 1895, so it's about, it's right about the time mm-hmm. with the statues. Yeah, Howard wrote that that lynchings and burnings have failed to re- repress this species of crime, and the Negro men were controlling themselves so well during the Civil War, but now that they're free, the poor devils are so swept away by passion that they lose all control of themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a very specifically spelled out thing, yeah. Yeah. And, and even says that so he, he felt had, he yeah. had some very racist views. <laughs> he did, and yet you've got pictures of him with the you know the service mm-hmm. that they had in the house. I was able to meet one of the Gratz descendants. Mm-hmm. In fact, her name is Maria Cecil Kist Gratz uh-huh. Roberts. Uh-huh. They go by Mariah yeah. in the family, so she's named after the answer. She's a direct descendant of Howard. And there is a story from Howard's daughter that Sequoia came to visit Mm -hmm. looking for his family, his guest family. Now, Nathaniel was dead, but some of the guest people were living around. Mariah had all these sisters. Mm -hmm. Howard was four years old in 1828, and my theory is that's the only time that Sequoia could have come through here, Mm -hmm. coming back from Washington. They did take the Ohio. They did stop at Louisville. Yeah. We know that, that mm-hmm. they came through Louisville. So he could have come here. And I talked to one of the reenactors, you know, how could he do this when he didn't even know English? And he says yeah. to me, he knew English. I said, 
everything's written that he did not know English and wasn't interested in learning. He goes, yeah. come on, Terry. He ran a trading store. He was out there with the British soldiers. That's he had true. to know enough yeah. to get by. And I said, oh, it's it's like I, I know enough of my high school French to get by, but don't ask me to write it. Or, <laughs> or, Pretty know. much. Yeah, and he yeah said, I mean, yeah. if you think about it, it's true. I mean, how else would he have been successful in his trading? Exactly. You know, you know and I was yeah. over in Spain. I'm, I'm pulling out my West Side Story Spanish and I'm throwing a little French in. And it's enough to work in my Latin from <laughs> yeah. high school. And yeah. it's it's enough to work because, yeah. but the theory, and this is written, mm -hmm. and the family believes this, that he came and he brought a present for Howard. Mm -hmm. This is a spoiler, spoiler alert, <laughs> and that it was a baby bonnet, and it was okay. donated to a museum in Louisville. Yeah. So I've gone on this hunt for where it is. But, mm -hmm. but the other part is that, it's also written that the he was well received by the family. Yeah, and apparently they welcomed him, and they kept track they of his, his and connection they too. They kept track of enough things to have it in their collections, yeah. in the grass collections. Yeah. They've got this Cherokee Bible, the story mm -hmm. of how the Cherokee Bible was written, and that sort of thing. And that is in the grass collections. Mm -hmm. And there's some sayings. There's something else that I, that I read in here where this, that this man was talking to mm -hmm. a religious group up in. Ithaca, New York, mm -hmm. in his time when he was with the Cherokees, and he said, I was getting a drink of water, and this woman came along bareback on this pony, and, you know, the jet black hair and the red blanket, and she has this lusty baby child in her arms, and she just jumps off the pony mm -hmm. and gets a drink, and the horse gets a drink, and then she bounces back up, <laughs> and, you know, no saddle, no, and yeah. just rides off it. And, and I'm sitting there, and I wrote, can you imagine the women in their whale-born corsets sitting there <laughs> listening to this and going, have you ever ridden bareback? <laughs> Never. Never. But he was talking about the coordination. Yeah. And how that goes. yeah but that's, that's their life. Jeff Corntassel, Ph.D., mm -hmm. is in Vancouver, British mm -hmm. Columbia. He still goes back to Oklahoma and has ties with the Cherokees there. Mm -hmm. So he's a direct descendant of Sequoia's uncle. Okay. And he's involved with the indigenous resurgent mm -hmm. movement to energize the communities to connect to the land culture. Regenerate your family on a daily basis. Find ways to challenge and undo the legacies of colonization. Mm -hmm. I think we all need to do yes. that. And he says the Cherokees will be all right if they bring together the interrelationships between land, language, ceremony, and sacred living histories. Mm -hmm. If any one of these gets diminished, it impacts all the others. And fire is very important to the Cherokees. The British said that they saw so many stomp dance fires, it was like all the stars in the sky. Yeah. And, and I think for me personally, and I talked about my Irish ancestry, that so many people, you know, all these people in America, we all come from different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And we all need to honor all the stars in the sky. And the yeah. more we honor and recognize each other, the more we can light up. Yes. And and make it all brilliant for everybody else. And as far as the free press goes, I have an article in there about the history of the free press. It was written in 1835. And in that, it talks about the printing and the press and newspaper and libraries and all that being a dress for the immortal mind. Mm -hmm. A dress for the immortal mind. Yeah. Thank you. And on that note, we will end. We, we will end. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right. The 
Cherokee and the Newsman, Kinsmen and Words by Terry Foodie is available for checkout at the Lexington Public Library. If you would like to purchase your own copy, visit Terry Foodie's website at www.terryfoodie.com. You can also check with a local bookstore here in Lexington. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Kentucky Room, a podcast brought to you by the Central Library's Kentucky Room staff at the Lexington Public Library. If you enjoyed listening, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you have any questions about local history or genealogy research, you can visit us in the Kentucky Room to use our collection and newspaper microfilm, or you can email us at elibrarian at lexpublib.org. That's elibrarian at lexpublib.org. I'm Miriam, and we'll be back with another trip down Lexington's memory lane.